listening to the Canadian Streetlight Podcast with Aaron Hale and Mike Ferrier as your hosts. Subscribe to the podcast at CanadianStreetlight.ca. Soli Deo Gloria. Heavenly Father, God, for your spirit that is working among us, God, that you've given to us to guide us. And Lord, you've not left us as orphans, but you have given us um, the great comforter and and counselor, um, the very spirit of yourself, Lord. And we thank you for that this morning. We thank you for the time of worship together where we can lift up um, your glory and your worth in song, Lord. And I just pray that would be something we do throughout the week, that we would be continually um, singing songs and hymns unto you, Lord. And I just pray as we look at the text this morning that we would um, allow your spirit to teach us, to guide us, Lord, and that even as we come into another Christmas season, Lord, that um, your word would be full of life and of power in our lives this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the text we're going to look at is the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to start reading at verse 18 and read down to verse 25. Matthew chapter 1, the first book in the New Testament. It reads like this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quickly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to her son, and he called his name Jesus. So this is a very common text this morning, one that we've probably heard read about every Christmas, but I wanted to talk a bit about it this morning, and uh, I wanted to ask the question, because I feel that Matthew is doing two things here. First of all, he's writing to a Jewish audience. He is writing to Jewish, Jewish people, so he's trying to show them that Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. He is the one who was prophesied about and has fulfilled that prophecy. But in this passage, I, I think that Matthew is trying to show us Um, and validate that Jesus Christ was not born of man, but of the Holy Spirit. And he says it two or three times. And um, we see that that's important. And so I want to ask the question this morning, why is it significant that Jesus Christ was born of the Holy Spirit and not from the seed of Adam? The first and obvious answer is because that's what was prophesied. And Matthew says in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. So in one, in one sense, um, Christ is fulfilling prophecy, and that's important because that validates his ministry and also validates the prophets who prophesied um, about him. And so we see that coming true, and so it's, it's good. We can trust it. The prophecy is right, and Jesus Christ fulfills it. But there's another question that I want to look at this morning with you, and um, probably even to our context, a more important question and issue. 
uh, rather than of the prophecy. For the Jewish people, prophecy was extremely important that it would be fulfilled. For us, you know, we're kind of like, oh, that's neat, I guess, that was good for the Jewish people. Um, but it is good to understand that. But in another sense, I want to look at why is it significant that Jesus Christ is born of the Holy Spirit and not of Adam. And uh, to illustrate this, I was trying to think of how I could illustrate what I'm going to be talking about. And um, sadly, what came to mind was washing dishes. And I don't like washing dishes. But, you know, something worse than washing dishes is having to rewash dishes. And I've been guilty of sometimes starting a pile of dishes with the pans. And you know if they have oil in them, then you get oil in your water. Your water's contaminated. And you wash all the dishes with oily water. And as they dry, they all have this scum on them. And my wife says, what did you do? You know, and you always do the pans last, I'm learning. So the point is, because of the contaminated water, every dish that went through it was then contaminated and had to be redone. And so keep that in mind, and it's hopefully going to make more sense as we carry on this morning. So I want to talk a bit about why is it significant Jesus Christ was not born of man, but of the Holy Spirit. And we have to go back quite a ways to really look at this question, to really understand what is going on here. Why is it significant that Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary? Um, you know, we talk about the Virgin Mary and, and, and that, but what's really going on? Um, and so we have to go right back to Genesis, and you're free to come with me, or if you want to just listen, that's fine as well. I might be bouncing around a little bit this morning, but, but please listen. I think this is very important to understand this. In Genesis 2.15, it says that, um, it talks about the, the commandment given to man. It says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So that's the commandment, and that's the promise. Adam, if you disobey this commandment, if you sin against me, you're going to die. And so we see that there. Um, if we go on a little farther in Genesis, we see not only is there a commandment given, but... And there's a promise of death if that commandment is broken. He says, on that day, you will surely die if you do this. Um, so if we go on in Genesis 3, we see what happens. What do Adam and Eve do? We all know this story very well, and um, probably don't have to repeat all of it. But we see that they disobey God. The serpent deceives Eve in 3, verse 4. Um, she eats of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Adam also eats with her, disobeying the commandment of God. But the question then is, what about the promised death that God says? He said, on the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So where's the death? And we think, well, I guess God just uh, had mercy on them and put the death off until later on. They don't physically die on this day. We see they go on, and Adam actually lives for like 800 years old. So he didn't die on that day. So the question is, what about the death? What happened? Was God just joking? Was he thinking maybe in the future they're going to die? And the answer is, they did die on that day, but it was not a physical death. They died a spiritual death at the moment that they disobeyed God. If I go outside and I cut the power line off of this building, all of the lights inside will die. And it doesn't matter how many uh, buildings we build and attach to our circuit panel, they will all be dead because the power source is cut. And so when Adam and Eve did this, they committed spiritual suicide in the eyes of God, cut themselves off from him because of their sin, and therefore are spiritually dead. And this is shown by, um, they feel naked. They all of a sudden feel naked. 
and it's showing the spiritual death that happened when they disobeyed on that day. And yes, we know they do physically die, but that ultimately is not um, what's really going on. There's a spiritual death that occurs. And this is important for us to understand um, because then everybody born of Adam and Eve, of that seed, is also spiritually dead. Death cannot produce life. And as they cut themselves off, everyone after them is born into the same darkness and into the same death. And um, in the same way that if I cut off the power line to the church and try to attach another circuit panel into this circuit panel, it's not going to do any good because initially it has been cut. And that's the problem with humanity. That's where we're at. And that's what we're born into as uh, humans. My grandfather was born into spiritual death. My father was born into spiritual death, even though my grandfather was a, a preacher. He was a preacher of God's word. So one might think, well, maybe my dad should have been born, you know, a, a good person. No, he was born under the curse of Adam, spiritually dead. I was born spiritually dead. My son Micah is born into spiritual darkness. And so there's this progression. There's a curse that is upon mankind. And uh, that is what, what's going on here. So the question is then, is there a new beginning? What about mankind? Are we just hopelessly lost, stuck in this curse of being born spiritually and giving birth to spiritually dead? Um, is there any hope is the question. And uh, there is hope. And to really look at this, uh, what I've just been saying, you're thinking, well, that sounds kind of weird. Maybe some of you have never heard it like that before. Flip over to Romans just for a moment, Romans chapter 5, and Paul says it very explicitly, what's happened and what we're, what we're in right now. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, reads, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For the sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who were sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. So that's, that's the lineage. And um, I skipped over the lineage in the first part of Matthew. But if you think of it, we have a physical lineage, and it's not a good one. It's a messed up lineage that we get from Adam. And this is why our society tries to do good, tries to be better, but ultimately cannot because our nature is corrupt. We're born into a curse. And uh, therefore, all we can do is act according to that nature. We can try to do good things, but ultimately that nature controls us. We're bound to it. And, um, and he said it came through Adam, Adam's sin and Eve's sin. But it doesn't take away our responsibility either. He said in verse 13, for indeed sin was in the world, um, Sorry, in verse 12, and death spread to all men because all sinned. So not only do we have a curse upon us from Adam overshadowing us, the curse of man, but we also have our own personal sin that stands and convicts us because we act according to that nature, and then we stand sinners before God. And, um, and that's the problem. So now the question is, what about Jesus Christ? What has he done? And just one side note, um, of course, we think then, well, questions like, well, if babies die, what about babies? You know, do they receive the wrath of God um, because they're born into spiritual darkness? And some of you may have heard the teaching of the age of accountability. 
And is that biblical teaching? And I do feel it is. Uh, if you look in the text I just read, it says in verse 13, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Sin is not counted where there is no law, is what Paul wrote. And so there is something, the innocence of a child, they can't understand the law, they can't understand the standard of God, they can't understand the curse of man, and so God says he doesn't count that against them. And that's, a, and that's where I stand on that as well. And the same applies then to those who are mentally handicapped, because they cannot be condemned by the law, they do not understand it. And so there is, I do feel, an age of accountability when you become aware, when you stand condemned by the law of God, and you are judged by it, and will be condemned by it apart from Jesus Christ. So that's a kind of a side note, um, but I do feel it is in the Bible, in that text especially, that God in his grace hardens until the law condemns. Of course, that raises many other questions which I can't go into. You think of what about tribes of, of, uh, of natives around the world that don't have the gospel? And the scary application in that context is Romans 1, that creation itself stands and judges and condemns. And so the challenge is, we've been given the truth. We had better be part of taking that truth to them, because they do stand, stand condemned by creation itself, as Romans 1 says. And I'll just leave that right there on a side note. So the answer to the virgin birth, the question that I started with this morning, why is it significant that Jesus Christ was born of the Holy Spirit? And now we have the groundwork to answer that question. We know now what has happened, um, what mankind has done, and what we're born into. So this is um, the answer. The answer, as you now see, is simply everybody born of Adam, everybody born of man is born into the curse upon mankind. And so Jesus Christ could not be born of man, or else that curse, too, would have been upon him. So then this is where God intervenes. God breaks the curse. A virgin Mary conceived a son by the Holy Spirit, not of the seed of Adam. A new seed has now entered into the lineage of mankind. A new beginning has been born for mankind. And I want to go on in, in Romans 5.15. Let's see what Christ has done. We know what Adam has done. Uh, we're under the curse of Adam, but verse 15 says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace that the one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So he's contrasting Adam. We have Adam and Eve, sinned against God, disobeyed, now under the curse, spiritually dead before God. They cut themselves off. And so then everyone born of them is also born in the spiritual darkness. But then we have Jesus Christ, almost like hitting the reset button of humanity in a sense. And he comes born of the Holy Spirit, not of man, and he offers hope, he offers salvation to, according to his nature. And uh, it's a great hope. This is the hope of Christmas. This is what we celebrate, that God stepped into humanity, stepped into time, 
um, offering us new hope and salvation that apart from Christ we could not have. So this is the question, um, and I feel that we've misunderstood this, and as pastors in our generation have not preached this, and therefore we don't understand it, but the question then is, are we good people doing bad things? Or are we doing bad things because we have a wicked nature? Do you see the difference? If we're all good people doing bad things, then we just need to correct the bad things. We need to just stop doing bad things and do good things. But if we have a nature that is cursed, if we have a nature that is cut off from God, then the problem isn't to fix the bad things. The problem is, I need a new nature. I need to be born again. I am messed up. I'm trapped. I'm under a curse. Someone's got to save me. And that's the gospel. Jesus Christ, born of the virgin, crucified for our sin, offers salvation, a new nature, a new heart. We're no longer trapped by our curse, but he comes in and offers it to us. So that's where we're at. And sadly, I think um, many churches in North America have answered we're good people doing bad things. But the Bible answers we are bad people doing bad things. And we need to become born again of Jesus Christ. And um, it's important uh, that we understand this and not just simply try to patch up our lives, our messed up lives, by doing better things. We need to be born again of the Holy Spirit and have a new nature to break this curse that's upon us. So the hope of Christmas, this is the hope of the phrase in Matthew 1, chapter 18. And uh, may we not overlook it this morning. Verse 18 Says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The hope of Christmas, Jesus Christ breaking the curse upon mankind, offering salvation. And um, he then, as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he becomes our new lineage. We're no longer under the curse of Adam, but we become um, under the blessing of Christ, we're identified by his righteousness just by placing the faith. And Paul says over and over, it's a free gift. It's nothing you do. You just receive it. Just receive it. And he will place his righteousness upon you and give you a new hope, give you a new nature that you might then become um, Christians. You might begin producing fruit unto God and not just attempting to do good works in and of yourself. One quick word as well, and um, we know that we do things according to our nature. So in Romans 8, 1, it says that those of the flesh cannot please God. So we act according to our nature. If then we're born of Adam under a sin, we act according to that sin, and it's all we can do. We're, we're bound by it. We're slaves, as Paul says, to our sin nature at one time. So we, take, we, have to, we have to keep this application because when you then move into the spiritual and when you say, I'm a Christian, I've been born again, I received Jesus Christ, but there's no evidence of a new nature, it is spiritually impossible. It's a spiritual impossibility for us to say, I've encountered the living God, I've been born again of Jesus Christ, 
and yet your life does not change, and yet there is no repentance of sin in your life. It has to go together. It just has to. We know, Jesus said in the Bible, you know a tree by its fruit. And so if you see a tree bearing apples, you know it's an apple tree. Obvious, right? Obvious. And we take that into the spiritual, though, and we somehow throw it away and try to disregard it. Oh, I guess uh, they're just backsliding. Or I guess this person maybe just um, needs to pray the prayer more sincerely. No, the evidence will come. Now, that raises more questions, and um, I realize we're getting close out of time. We know also, so you're asking, that, well then, Pastor, are you saying Christians don't sin? No, we're not saying Christians don't sin. We know we all sin. We all struggle um, in this life. But the difference is, when you are born again of Jesus Christ, when you are received that new nature that you're now acting according to, then you cannot remain in your sin. There is a repentance there is a progression as you look back five years of your life. You say, yes, you know, I'm still struggling with this. I'm still fighting this issue. But, God, I'm moving forward. I'm seeing fruit. I'm seeing the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm desiring to be a part of the people of God. I'm desiring um, to know his word. And those things are beginning to build into my life. That's evidence. That's fruit. It's not a uh, one-time perfect kind of deal, but a beginning to move and, and progress in Christ-likeness. And we do know biblically as well that there is a season sometimes for believers to backslide, to go into sin, and, and yet the difference is they cannot remain there because it would be to deny their new nature, which is given by Jesus Christ. So yes, there is sin in the Christian's life. Yes, we struggle. Yes, we backslide. But we cannot remain in that place because our nature has been transformed. Our nature is, um, is trying to work itself out through us, which is the very nature of Jesus Christ. So one, is, one who is truly born again, removed from the curse of Adam, cannot stay in their sin indefinitely. So it's a, it's a challenge for us, and uh, it's a hard word in many ways, but if you're struggling with cancer, for example, and you go to the doctor, and he says, you know what, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay, just don't worry about it. Go home live a good life, is that really, you might feel good at that moment. It might be, oh, yes, you know, it's not a big deal. But if you have terminal cancer, you want the doctor to say, you're going to die unless we intervene somehow. It might wreck your day. You know, it might wreck your week. It'll probably wreck the rest of your life in that sense. It'll tear you apart. But it's the truth that you need to receive healing. You have to receive the truth. And so I'm not going to stand here and say we're all good people. We need to just start doing better things. No, we're under a curse of Adam. We need to be born again. We need to look unto our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, create in me a new heart. Take out this heart of stone. Give me a heart of flesh. That's the solution. Let the, let the fruit and the good works take care of themselves. When your heart is changed, then it will begin to outpour into your life, and you will see it, and you will not feel like it's something you're just struggling to do and fighting against. Um, and that's the difference. And I met with a man this week, and he was saying, you know, the Christian life is impossible. He said, I look at the standard of the Bible and said, I've tried that. Um, it's impossible. I can't do it. I've tried it. I give up. And that's true. It's impossible to do it on our own strength. We need to be born again. 
We cannot do it according to our sinful nature. And so, if you are here this morning and you sense um, a helpless estate before a holy God, if you have a deep sense in your heart, you know, I have tried to do better. I have wanted to change things in my life. I have these addictions, and I'm sick of them, but I don't know how to be free of them. I need to just do better. Maybe start a 12-step process or something. Maybe that will fix it. No, that won't fix it. You need to be born again. You need to look unto Jesus Christ. And so if you're here sensing your helplessness, I pray um, that you might look to Christ, look upon his sacrifice, receive his new nature, his inheritance. We're not bound to the curse of Adam anymore. We can look unto Christ and receive a new nature. Maybe you're here this morning and you believe you're a Christian because at one time you prayed a prayer at vacation Bible school, but nothing changed in your life. There was no difference. There was no hunger in your heart. You think, well, I prayed the prayer. Wasn't that supposed to work? And the answer is no. Praying a prayer will do nothing. You need to be born again. You need to receive Jesus Christ by faith. Nothing we do. And so if you're here and you sense, I thought I did that, but I sense no change, then to you too I say, pray unto Christ that he might remove your heart of flesh and give you, remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I pray that would encourage you this morning. And if you're here and you are a believer and uh, you sense in your heart just the struggle, you know, we're not completely free from the curse of Adam yet. We are born again. We are identified by Jesus Christ. But we are still in this flesh that was born in the curse. Our bodies were born to the curse, and so there's a battle raging, the flesh and the spirit fighting daily. And so I encourage you to look unto Christ each day. Do not become discouraged in, when you fall on your face and you struggle and you sin. Pick yourself up again. Cling to the old rugged cross as we love to sing. Um, there is hope. Jesus Christ has finished it. And there is coming a day when this body will no longer bind us, when this body will no longer fight against our soul. We'll be set free with Jesus Christ, free to worship, free to know him, free to experience the joy and life that he has offered. And that day is coming probably sooner than we all would think. And I encourage you, if you've sent the Spirit of God tugging your heart, you've sent him challenging you, you know, I do need Jesus Christ. I am under this curse, and I'm sick and tired of it, then I encourage you to respond. If you want to come and just uh, kneel at the altar and pray, if you want to uh, um, maybe just this afternoon sometime, spend some time in prayer before God, I encourage you to do that. Do not put this off. Um, there is hope, and there is life through Jesus Christ. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that in our own weakness that we fail to understand things of the Spirit, God. We fail to understand your word. Lord, we even fail to understand the significance of Christ's coming, of him being born of your Holy Spirit and not under the curse of Adam, Lord. I pray you would give us understanding this morning. I pray that our hearts would be awakened to your beauty and to your glory, to your majesty, Father. And I pray, too, just for this afternoon that be a time of fellowship, of encouragement, and uh, just thank you for these dear people here this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for tuning in to the Canadian Streetlight Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or perhaps a podcast suggestion or topic, visit us online at canadianstreetlight.ca. Soli Deo Gloria.